HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by El Cortez. Stop in for tacos and tiki drinks at 17 Ingraham Street in Bushwick, or visit them online at elcortezbushwick.com. Hey everyone, I'm Marissa Ross. And I'm Adam Ravulis, and we're the hosts of Natural Disasters. It's a podcast about natural wine and shit. Every week, we're going to be going through the basics, the ins and outs, and the culture around natural wine, and, you know, other shit that we just decided that we kind of want to talk about, but mostly wine. Yeah, I, I mean, have, have you had that friend that uh, has showed up to your house with a bottle of wine and gone, this is natural wine? And you're like, I wish I knew a little bit more about that, and was entertained. Or maybe you're the friend that's like, yo, this is some natty wine, and you just want to learn more about said natty wine. This could be a good podcast for you, too. Or maybe you know everything about wine, and you just want to listen to some really entertaining people drink wine and chit-chat. Yeah, we do a lot of that, too. Yeah. Like, for example, um, I went to a Pusha T show recently. That was really fun. That's pretty amazing. It was great, except I was really looking for Kanye to come out, and then he didn't. And even though, you know, I'm still a little mad at him, but I'm, we don't need to get into We don't into need it. to get into that. Anyways... Wine and shit. Yeah. Join us. Natural Disaster Spot on Heritage. Yes, on Heritage Radio Network. It's the best. We're really excited. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye. bye. Hello, and welcome to Snacking Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, On today's episode... Hello, and welcome to Snacking Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. On today's episode, we have the founders of Jane's Beard, the premier culinary event that finds the intersection of the queer space and the food world. And live in studio, we have Grim Streaker, whose brand new debut album, No Vision, comes out mid-May. So sit back, relax, and here's another episode of Snacky Tunes. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky
Welcome to Snacking Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnan. That was just Grim Streaker, their new single, Sensitive Demon, which is out now, and their brand new debut record comes out May 17th. They will be live in studio, a return from when they were here in 2017. But first up, James Beard. Hi. 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 Hello. Atlanta rhymes with Dana McMillan <laughs> and Sabrina, not my sister, Chen. Yes. How are you two? Great. How are you? It's good. It's good to see you two again. I know we were uh, just kind of reminiscing, sort of like how we how we met. It's been a it's been a little while. You you DM me. We did. You DM me, which doesn't happen that much. I'm a little bit you know above the anyone sliding into my DMs. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> slid into your DMs. Yeah. We were like it's a modern modern love story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good to uh, it's good to feel young when people contact me that way. But um, it's really nice to see you two again. Thanks for coming on the show. This is actually my first show back. I will say a shout out to my lovely wife. I've been married for a month now. And a big thank you to Darren and Kong for covering the show while I was off doing the, you know, the big life thing. Uh, I want to go back to your childhoods before you two even knew each other. Um, and I know that, um, Lena, you said uh, that you grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and you did food tours. Yes. Right at the burgeoning Richmond Scene. What was the scene like, and, and what is a what what was it on the food tour, and, and what made you a good guide? Um, so when I I graduated college in two thousand eight, um, and then came back to uh, to Richmond for a few years, and my last semester in college I studied abroad. So when I was coming back, I was like, oh, this like really amazing food. I wonder if I can like where are places that where I where were you? Uh, I studied abroad in Valencia, mm. Spain, so two hours south of Barcelona. Um, so it was coming back. There were all of these sort of like new restaurants that were uh, opening up. And I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time in downtown Richmond, which is where sort of like the prominent food scene was happening. Um, and so like as I was starting to work, most of my money, instead of just going to um, like out to bars and things like that, was just going directly to food. So um, I would just kind of go out and like, you know, I was like by myself and would just sit up at a bar. And then I started talking to a bartender and then you know, and whatnot. Um, and just, they would just show me like, Hey, here's this like, you know, amazing dish that we uh, just created. Would you like to kind of check that out? Um, and then, um, yeah, like a food, like I think food tours were like just starting out in Richmond and I'd gone on maybe like their second tour and I was like, this is awesome. And I was also like talking with all of the people who were like on the tour and they were like, would, you are like introducing people to some of this food as well. Would you like to give a tour? And so I just started giving food tours. <laughs> One of the things I always feel that makes bad food tours when you go there and you know they're just like, you know, friends with the restaurant owners and and they're just getting kickbacks from the side. How did how did the you ensure that people had like the right Richmond food experience and, and what type of dishes were you showcasing when you were doing it? I mean I think it was um it was sort of like the restaurants that were like really being talked about that were like starting to win it like their own awards. Um, and then it was the dishes that we just got to choose. So it wasn't necessarily the restaurant saying, Oh, here's like the best dish that we think it was like, Hey, these are the dishes that like we want. Um, it would be anything from sort of like oysters Rockefeller to, um, I mean, it just kind of depended on like the specific restaurant. However, Richmond is about like 10 years or so behind New York, I would say. Um, so the dishes that I would probably say now were, um, that were like sort of prominent then were dishes that New York, the New York food scene has had for a while. If I had to go to Richmond and have one dish right now, where would you send me? Um, I'd send you to comfort. Um, and I would say you have to get the like banana bread pudding. It's sort of this like cold, hot banana bread, like, excuse me, uh, like banana pudding creme brulee. Um, so it's. Absolutely perfect. Every time I go back to Richmond, that's the dish that I get. Not even a hesitation. You didn't even have to think about it. You knew it. you went right there. Absolutely. I can see it in my mind right now. And Sabrina, uh, you moved to New York uh, to become, to be uncomfortable. Yes. What, were you comfortable where you, where you were? Or what is it that New York held for you in your vision um, to make the decision to come here? Uh, yeah. So I lived in D.C. for a long time. And my family's there. Lots of friends as well. And uh I definitely just kind of fell into a routine and uh, felt like I wanted to kind of stretch myself a bit and kind of be a bit more challenged and find new adventures and explore new places, places to eat, meet new people and different types of people, maybe in different fields as well. So uh, New York just made sense to me because uh, I would come up for the weekend all the time and just love it here. So um, 
And growing up, you had your mom and your grandmother cook for you. You didn't really go out to, to mm-hmm. eat that much. What were some of the dishes that they made for you or some of the childhood favorites? Yeah, we'd, um, like I grew up with uh, like whole steamed fish. Mm. Very simple, yeah. Um, uh, also steamed chicken, always rice every night. <laughs> and uh, like lots of soups, actually. Like bone broth was always on the stove every winter. Um, I think it's kind of funny it's a thing now, but I'm like, oh, bone broth, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I can finally get it. Yeah. I don't have to make it anymore. I, <laughs> yeah. was ju- I was just at Bel Campo at Hudson Yards yesterday, and they had like uh, like four handles, like taps mm-hmm. of different types of bone broth. You can just, yeah. you know, f- Ooh, nice. fill yourself. Yeah. Uh. Or just stand under and just pour it into your, <laughs> into your face. Like a keg stand of bo- bone broth. Uh, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. Just like a, a, pure, a pure dream. Yeah. You didn't start to discover going out to eat until after you left. Was that when you moved to New York um, or was you moved out of home? Uh, just when I moved out of home. Uh, I went to college and um, it was the first time I was eating actually non-Asian food. <laughs> and so um, my sister, who's two years younger, we had this conversation where uh, she actually called me once and was like, hey, so um, I had this cheese the other day called Munster and it's delicious. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, how do you spell that? I'm going to try it. <laughs> Go to the cheese and like, do you have... Yeah. You probably don't. You, yeah. But do you have monster cheese? Like, yeah. Yes. What type? Oh my gosh. Right out of the store. Question. Yeah. yeah okay. Wasn't prepared for that. Thought it was just one. I'll be back. It's yeah. called cheddar. Am I saying that right? Uh, so you both moved to New York mm-hmm. as you call the East Coast gay mecca. Uh, what were your aspirations here, and what did you expect to find in the city, uh, and how did it possibly let you down? Um. Yeah, I guess uh, it's such a big city, right? And so I guess I figured uh, we wouldn't have to look so hard for our queer community. They were, everyone's just like sitting at a cafe or just, you just bump into them, you know, in the subway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, every scene from like the L word would like sort of, you know, kind of play out. We thought that that's what would happen here in New York, essentially. Yeah, you um, walk into cafes and everyone's gay. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is just life. Yeah, yes. and that didn't quite happen. No. <laughs> did it Did it kind of not quite happen or just didn't happen at all? You maybe met someone who was hard to enter into their group or you just couldn't find the community? We, um, we, we found a community. I mean, like through, uh, we, we met up playing on a gay sports team together and uh, found definitely like good friends there and, um, you know, just going out to parties and uh, happy hours and things like that. But um, in terms of finding that community who also loves food, it wasn't necessarily uh, an easy thing to find. And what did you think it was? Just that there wasn't a meeting space or that people weren't, weren't just attracted to it or it's just something that was relatively still new? Yeah, I would say it's just that opportunity to get into that um, conversation, really. So sometimes if uh, you're at a, a club or something or, or a bar or some, some environment where you can't really get in deep conversation necessarily talk about um, food... Um, maybe it would make sense in the environment, then uh, we just wouldn't find that common ground. Maybe the person there, you know, there were people there, but it was just hard to find that intimate space. Yeah, never, like, kind of like Sabrina said, like, food never just came up as a talking point. If you're at, you know, a bar, you're kind of, like, you know, dancing along to the music a little bit and not really like, oh, what's the latest, you know, dish that you've tried at XYZ restaurant? You're like, what's up about creme brulee? Yeah, about- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this song. Just kidding. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Just, just kidding. Back to the sidestep. Yeah. Shots, side anyone? Step. Yeah, shots. Yeah. Tequila. Just yeah. everything's, you know, blurred out. Uh, so what? when did the idea for James Beard begin to happen? Oh, and what sport did you were you playing when you met? Uh, soccer. Soccer, yeah. Oh, okay. Positions? Forward. Anywhere where they would put me. Good Excellent passer. Same. Similar answer. Yeah. And it was usually the bench. Uh, so when did you begin to have the idea for Jane's Beard? And, and obviously the impetus was you not finding a community, but how did it begin to take shape? Um, so uh, I was working for like a, um, a food technology company um, kind of at the time of, of Jane's Beard. And was kind of find myself more in like the operations side. And I was really craving um, kind of getting back into sort of like the restaurant scene. I hadn't really checked out um, restaurants in the way that I knew them back in, in Richmond. Um, and Serena and I were kind of talking um, casually after a game. And one day she just said to me, you know, it's kind of annoying. It's really hard to find somebody who's not your girlfriend or partner to do a three hour tasting menu with you. And immediately I was like, I'll do that. Like, that sounds 
amazing. Yeah, and then that really surprised me that she was up game for something like that. So we just started talking about food, and we were like, where are other queer women who love to nerd out over food as well? And sort of like a three or so month process about, um, you know, where is that space? Are there already kind of supper clubs or communities out there? Um, and we couldn't really find what we were looking for. Did you find that that space existed in the hetero straight world and it just wasn't transferring to the queer world or you just couldn't find it in general? Or that you wanted to make sure that there was a place for the queer community versus st- conforming to a, a more heteronormative dining club? I mean, we we did some research and there are definitely lots of supper clubs out there. It's not a new idea or anything. So um, pretty cool things going on. Um, and then there's a lot of food festivals too. Um, but those aren't necessarily, uh, I don't know, they're just general spaces, you know? So um, I would, and I would still go to those food festivals or barbecue, whatever, you know, but uh, there was no specific place that kind of was that intersection of color and queer. It was really the space that we were looking for was about connecting to. Serena and I are, um, we go to a lot of networking uh, events in general, and we couldn't find, like, the way that we like to connect with people is, over a meal. I mean, that's how we connected with you, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so we couldn't find that space um, that allowed us to connect um, with the community over a shared meal. Where did the name come from? <laughs> you should have seen the... Uh, all the we, we were struggling with the name, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a Google document with all the names that we did not choose. There were like bad pride name parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Things are inappropriately named Cherry and Box and I don't know. Yeah, um, we we I think Elaine, you said you started saying you know um, what's up with James Beard. Yeah, um, and we started looking and reading about James Beard, and he was actually a, a gay man, and um, we didn't we were surprised to learn that. So uh, I thought we just thought it'd be funny uh, to say, well, how about an homage to James Beard? And we call it James Beard. So that's kind of and it made sense, and then to play on the word gay beard. We're going to take a quick musical break, and then we're going to talk about the first one and then how it's evolved. Uh, uh, we're going to play a quick song from the archives. Uh, Grim Streaker, who was here in 2017, who will be here live in studio here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Welcome back. You have the name, you have the desire for connection, you want to nerd out over food, and you want someone who's not your girlfriend or your partner to have a three-hour <laughs> tasting menu. All the elements are there. What was the first event like? A blur. Yeah. <laughs> Correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was, it was really uh, stressful because we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, but, uh, somehow we pulled it off. We had, um, a friend referred us to someone they, they knew that was a chef, uh, chef Hannah Wong actually, who's uh, now the executive chef of Benda. And, uh, she, we, we talked to her about doing this dinner party and she goes, yeah, let's do it. Let's just do this crazy thing. And, um, a friend of mine who's, was allowing us to use her apartment. She actually had to even leave town <laughs> a few days before the event. And it was like, and she said, but it's Okay. Like you can still do it there, and we just we just pulled off this uh, event where we had such a loose structure too. We we knew we went to do okay a cocktail hour so people could meet and mingle, then a seated meal that was plated, and uh, yeah, I think it went pretty well for uh, yeah, like not, our very first one. Yeah, for not knowing what we we're doing. <laughs> Correction: We yeah. still kind of don't know what we're doing. Like, but yeah, it's still, uh, yeah, it's a lot to learn. We were I the would, servers at that event. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would disagree. So as, as it's evolved. Um, yeah. What would you say that Jane's Beard is in 2019? How would you describe it? For someone who hasn't been one and someone who's looking to it, how would you encapsulate the idea behind it? Um, I would say that it, the idea itself is um, like a three-hour you know, meal, kind of like a shared meal, whether it's um, you know, a seated plated meal or a standing like plated meal. Um, you're always going to get like a one-hour cocktail uh, followed by... Um, you know, delicious coursed out food, um, great connection, you know, with amazing people. Um, in terms of things that evolved, um, staff, <laughs> we are no longer the servers <laughs> at the event because uh, people kept saying, well, you know, we'd like to actually talk with you while, you know, at this event. And it was really hard to do if we were the ones kind of carrying plates um, back and forth. Um, and yeah, I think we're just a bit more organized. And so now we feel a bit more confident when you come we can all meet. We love introducing people to each other. Um, we actually encourage people to come by themselves, too. So about half the people who buy tickets are single ticket buyers. So, um, And then people, even if they come with a friend or a date, they end up just kind of splitting ways <laughs> and meeting other people. So. We always say it's not a good date event. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible and a great, pos- great positioning statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you pick the chefs or the bartenders or, or your food partners? It's a little mix of um, like a referral. Somebody might know a chef who, um, you know, then messages us and says, hey, we want to do an event together or we'd like to do an event with you. Um, Or, you know, we'll reach out to the chef Mm -hmm. um, and just say, hey, we really love, you know, kind of what you're doing. We'd love to like, you know, this is what we do. We'd love to kind of partner together. So it's a little bit. We've scoured lists before. I mean, like, oh, look at this list of. You know, hot hot chefs under thirty or, or something like that, and then we just reach out and cold cold email or cold DM. <laughs> I guess that's our thing. Huh? Yeah, that's true. yeah. And um, have you found that as it's gone on, that um, obviously people find you, but chefs, you know, I think when we first met, that you said it was sometimes hard for chefs to kind of understand what what it's about, and that maybe it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel chefs understand it? They they're really excited about it. Queer chefs are reaching out to you to say, "Hey, can I come cook?" Or where's the current landscape of that? Yeah, people are reaching out now, definitely. Um, Chefs in New York and outside of New York, um, either asking us to to do an event in their city or if if they are in New York to do an event. So, um, which is, we're really honored when a chef reaches out. So, um, so that's, I don't know. Yeah, we we still reach out, but people are reaching out to us now. Especially chefs who maybe like have uh, a restaurant or the executive chef at a restaurant. They're realizing that, you know, we're not trying to be a restaurant in any way, shape, or form. It's just a different format. So if they wanted to try something new or something that wasn't necessarily uh, on their menu, that we're an audience uh, that's receptive to that. Right. And have you found uh, the younger versions of yourself who have come and said, I've been looking for this. I'm so happy that you started this. Have you had any of those? Oh, I'm so happy that we created this because we were looking for this when we came here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the support's been really amazing. I mean, people, you know, after one event, you know, people will come up and say, I had such a great time. Like, what can I do to help? You know, and I think that 
I don't know. I always feel touched when someone comes up to say that. Yeah, or the best thing is when somebody um, comes to the event and says, oh, I was referred by a friend who's been to an event before. Um, That friend's not, you know, may be at the event, may not be at the event, but Mm -hmm. that type of referral to say, hey, you know, um, you know, I want to tell my friend about this. That's kind of the highest honor. Any heartwarming or, or good memories from past dinners? So many. <laughs> so many. Yeah, they're all hard. I mean... I think one of the coolest ones in, in my book um, is when we had Kristen Kish um, as the guest chef um, when she was doing her book launch. That one to me is really special because it was a goal that we had when we first started uh, Jane's Beard to say, you know, if there was a top, you know, five list or three list or she was at the top of that list. And just to see... Um, kind of all the pieces kind of fall into place where um, it was a great opportunity and we were able to partner with her um, was just incredible. She was on our like five year plan and to get to that, like just a little bit over a year, we were like, crap, we need a new list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one of the um, most memorable uh, heartwarming ones. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it felt like it was an out of body experience. <laughs> yeah, it happened so quickly. Then she was in front of us, and like we went from on the phone, and then she was in front of us, and then cooking. We ate. I mean, just happened so quickly. But um, that was that was probably one of the highlights. You mentioned that Richmond is maybe ten years behind in, in New York. Well, maybe say seven because the, <laughs> the internet. What advice would you give to other? queer communities who are looking to start this and looking to start their own dinner parties and authentic connection series, what advice would them that, you know, some trials and tribulations that you had or, or how to build it in their own uh, cities if you can't go and do the dinners yourself? I'd say one is just to start with what are you actually looking for? Um, that's kind of how we started. We just wanted to create a space that we ourselves would pay for um, so just like kind of jot on, you know, kind of down on paper, what are the five things that you're looking for in that type of space? Does it exist? If the answer is no, then you can try to create it. Yeah. I mean, really just start too. I mean, um, we didn't, we did a test run with some friends and we learned a lot from just starting, you know, fumbling through the process. And, uh, even if you're not super clear on the entire picture and you kind of have an idea and you want to do something a little bit beyond, uh, maybe a potluck or something like just start, I don't know, have fun with it. You know, that's all we did. Get on the computer, put together a menu, go talk to some chefs. It's a good excuse to sit at the bar and start talking to bartenders and chefs. and yeah. Work through some bad names. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. Uh, well, I want to thank you two for both coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you? How can they, is there any dinners kind of announced that are coming up or mailing list uh, announcement? Um, so you can find us at uh, janesbeard.com or on Instagram at janesbeard. J-A-Y-N-E-S-B-E-A-R-D. Um, and if you want to sign up for our mailing list, um, you can do so at janesbeard.com as well. Yeah, we hope to have a, um, a Pride event, but we don't have a specific date set yet. So, World Pride, New York City, 2019. Yeah. So exciting. It is like the Olympics of Pride. Yes. Are you, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming by. Uh, we're going to play another song by Grim Streaker from the archive from the 2017 radio appearance, and then they will be here live in studio to talk about their new record, No Vision.
Today's program was brought to you by El Cortez, a colorful, bi-level restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. El Cortez sports a bar on each floor, a patio for drinking zombies in the moonlight, and the capacity for just under a couple hundred revelers. New York Magazine's Chris Crowley profiled El Cortez, saying its owners aren't trying to mine Mexican restaurants of any era, but just mesh together a bunch of things that they like. The menu focuses on what they call all three Mexicans, hot plate, gringo, and Mexican-Mexican. There's no fried chicken queso or chili con carne, but mission-style burritos, loaded all-American tacos, and a chimichanga. There's also a cheeseburger, because who cares? Cocktails lean heavily in the direction of tiki and the kind of low-brow drinks that caused the mixology revolution. Classic drinks your grandparents definitely drank, like the pina colada and rum punch, made with quality ingredients and a whole bunch of trial and error. Visit El Cortez at 17 Ingraham Street in Bushwick or online at elcortezbushwick.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Sari Kamen. And I'm Leah Kurtz. And together we host Food Without Borders here on HRN. Immigrants make our food system vibrant, diverse, and delicious. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about how food connects them to their past as we explore what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. today. You can find Food Without Borders wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back. Grim Streaker. So good to see you again. Thanks for having us. You too. Yeah. Um, We're just going to do an all Grim Streaker episode because we can. And it's awesome. New record coming out. Very excited. But before we do that, How's the last two years been since we've last seen you? So much fun. It's been 2017. Maybe it was a year and a half. Something like that. (laughs) We'll say a year and a half. Longer than a year. Surprisingly, no big blow-ups or fights. Yeah, you're still a band. Yeah. I was like, I hope hope it's the same five people that (laughs) when I were doing soundcheck, I was like, man, I hope it's not like a new person. I was like, hey, good to see you. Like, no, I'm the... I'm new. Like, oh, that's... I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm Bill 2.0. Yeah. That's amazing. Any any secrets to keeping it together for two years? Pizza. Pizza. Um, I think it's the pizza. It's all the pizza. Um, I don't know. I think that you might be the band that plays the most shows that I have seen. Uh, I mean, at least hardest working. When did you find time to write a record? I don't know. (laughs) We, We wrote it. I mean, I write a lot of stuff just like in the mornings or in like free time to come up with ideas. But I think we just like, we just powered through it in like three months or so. And then we actually, yeah, we actually recorded this record over a year ago. Yeah. And now we're finally putting it out, which is like, maybe that's like the secret to staying together is that we all have a requirement to wait around for this record to come out. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I know, Um, I know a group that, uh, wrote a record, finished it, mixed, mastered, PR, and then the lead person quit the month before the record came oh. out. And and it was like, wait, no, it's like all the hard work, well, not not to say the You weren't supposed to say anything, Greg. Yeah, oh, so sorry. Yeah, well, this is where the band breaks up. Yeah, yeah. that was the plan. And that band is Grimstreaker. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> but it was like one of those things that was like, it's like, just stick around for the the reward. Yeah, it is. What uh, mind me asking? Because I'm sure everyone. What took what took so long? <laughs> Why a year? I think uh, it definitely takes some time. I mean, I think we were we won money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we only scrounged up enough cash to record the thing and mix it, and then. But not master. Know, but then you got to master it. You got to have PR. PR. Uh, when you're going through the self-releasing ish process there's a lot more components to it and i think then there's also we wanted to like, have a physical create... product too yeah. like yeah. we wanted to be able to make cassettes or, yeah you know. and we're playing around with could we do vinyl is it worth it uh a lot of just like over obsession also on just like creative aspects of it i spend probably way too long working on artwork and like concept stuff yeah um yeah, but now that it's done, was it worth the wait? 
I think so. Yeah. I think so because I think also like during the wait, like we wrote a lot more, so we've got a bunch of new stuff just ready to record. Like we're ready to go for yeah. the next, yeah. like the next chapter, which is really good. Because Do I don't think we would have, maybe we wouldn't have held on had we not had this thing kind of waiting to be released, and we would just got so bored in the meantime that we we're like, we gotta write, we gotta write more, we gotta write more, and yeah. play shows, and play a lot, and, of yeah, and play yeah. shows, and like. So do you feel excited to play these songs, even though they've been in your canon for over a year now? Always. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the response to the singles, the response to the singles has been surprisingly awesome. What so has been the response? Just really positive. Like, uh, Sensitive Demon was our, is our newest one, and we all were like, oh, maybe that's like a later track on the record, and everyone's really excited about it. So gives us energy to, like, a new uh, perspective on it. Can we hear a song? Yo! Yeah. What are you going to play first? Let's play that one. Sensitive Demon! We're doing that now? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, why wait? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, here we go. Grimstreaker live on Snacky Tunes. What's the story behind that song? Well, <laughs> well, that song was Between inspired friends. by um, <laughs> just, um, well, I noticed I would often enter my local coffee shop hungover, looking like complete shit, um, with no makeup on. But other days I would go in looking very dressed up and like ready to do something with the day. And... I realized that the person who was serving me the coffee had seen me in both ways and in other ways, like when I came back from the gym or like whatever I was doing. He just saw me basically through everything I was doing throughout the day, every day, Um, because I go to get coffee like two, three times a day. Um, And I thought that was kind of hot that, you know, like we could still flirt. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's basically like about it's like a fantasy I have about like hooking up with my barista um, and that's not just one barista like it's been many um, they, they knew the real you they know me they knew you more intimately they know me no facade no completely no. vulnerable yeah 100% are you the sensitive demon 
The sensitive demon. <laughs> it's both of us as one, as one entity. We are the sensitive demon. <laughs> Together as one. Uh, you have a record release show coming up at Alphaville, which I absolutely adore. Uh, what is the advice for putting together a bill for an opening show? I think a lot of the, a lot of it is like have people on there. Like we we thought about the bill very carefully, and we we deliberated between like a bunch of different bands, and and there were so many that if we could, we would have had on the bill. Um, but a lot of a lot, we've also been on a lot of the people that we care about's bills too. So we were like, okay, hey, we should change up like a little bit for the record releases. But, did you feel yeah. did you feel obligated like shoot like we were on theirs? They got to be on well, ours. Well, like we we not obligated, but we were also just like we would love to have them on. But at the same time, like maybe it's a little too soon, or like you know we should probably switch it up and it doesn't mean we respect them any less like if we could we would have 15 of our friend bands on the bill and that would be amazing um what we thought about this time was people obviously that we respect and um also that were friends of ours and uh yeah and our friends from Philadelphia too cold friends yeah our friends from Philly cold friends who are you know uh Craig the lead singer just moved to Brooklyn and uh I'm just stoked to have him on the bill. <laughs> it's just like a part of like, you know, the the, the New York community. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like, it's a celebration, and we want f- friends and yeah. so-called family yeah. of our, you know, neighborhood there, but right. also like something that's like cohesive and like people will come and like if they come for the first band and stay yeah, through the stay whole thing, the last. they'll be really excited to see that's like the, the whole energy throughout. We yeah. also kind of thought about, like, you know, like, the kind of music that people would stay, exactly what Dan said, like, would stay for the first and stay for the last because they're just bands that kind of blend, like, in a good way together. Not all very similar, like, they're not all the same, but there's, like, there's similarities and it's yeah, it's just an overall, like, si- like sound that gets people stoked to hear one and then the other. And each band is part of our history as a band, too, right? Like, Cold Front yeah. we played with out of town. Big Bliss is like, yeah, homies. Pretty much our best friends as a band. (laughs) And we did like the best loft show that we've ever had at their loft. The Donald Trump pinata. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then Flexi, uh, the singer Brendan, he's in B Boys, and uh, I've definitely known him for a long time. And one of our, actually, our first show at Alphaville was playing with B Boys and opening for them. So it's kind of like a full circle thing for us. Um, Yeah. Did you have to write anyone and be like, we're so sorry, there's no room? <laughs> did you have to do any of those? A little bit, <laughs> when we asked too many people. <laughs> <laughs> or did you ask someone to have to then uninvite them? Well, no, kind it's of. just scheduling. But all the band schedules are all, you know, all over the place. So. We, we should have just done a festival. Grim Streaker Fest. Fest. <laughs> Next time. Demon Fest. Can we hear another song? Of course. What's this one?
On the eve of your debut, what are you feeling? What are you most excited about and what are you most nervous about? Honestly, just so excited to just like do the show and have a bunch of friends in the audience. I just like being around people and that I love and I know that they're gonna show up because it's just they're amazing people and I'm very excited for that more than anything else to be honest I mean we're gonna put the record out into the world I don't know how it's gonna be received or what all I care about is that just like show that we're gonna do to like celebrate that we we made a thing together and um, that we can just be with friends that night yeah and then the next chapter yeah, yeah. I think we're really ready for uh, to, to do the next thing, too. What is the next thing? To the best of your ability that you can see, based on James Beard's advice where you just got to get started, which I think yeah. is wonderful New York advice, like some of the best, like just who fucking cares. What is like the vagueness of the next chapter for Grim Streaker? I mean, I'd say uh, in the short term, it's play some shows out of town, uh, tour in like October. And then after that, kind of reinvent ourselves and yeah. work on the next thing that's, yeah. you know, even more thoughtful and, like, um, hopefully something that's, like, yeah. we consider the next sa- like the next realm. The next sound isn't the same. Like, it's not the same. Yeah. But it's, it has Still us. notes of us, but it's, it's a different chapter for sure. What is the through line that you see? Like, what is the intangible that, that comes into the next chapter of Grim Streaker? I don't know. As long as we keep getting excited about the songs, we keep writing them. Yeah. I'd say it's just trying to, like, push the boundaries of, like, what's considered punk and post-punk, but still, like, something that challenges us as musicians. I think there's a point where um, you get comfortable with playing at a certain level and that becomes boring or you it creates apathy and how can you like push yourself to um, create something inventive and and kind of challenging that still like fits within the mold of like what your um, kind of like original mission was like or roots, what you, yeah, for your sure. intent was that you set out and that people like. Yeah, it goes uh, for both instrumental and also lyrics. Like, I'm definitely sitting down a lot more with like what I'm writing lyrically and thinking about things a lot more um, because exactly what Dan said. Like, Yeah, and then just like us being inspired by like other things along the way that like we're trying to like incorporate. Like... Our good friend um, Ian, who's in a band in Monograms, uh, worked on this documentary about the band Brainiac from the 90s. And we went and saw like the film premiere like uh, in Austin for South By. And there was a portion of it that we were all watching together that was really about like the writing process and how like Tim, the singer, would basically like, if everyone liked the song that they were writing, <laughs> He thought, I was like, oh, that's too likable. Like, let's (laughs) totally destroy the thing and make it really, like, weird. Uh, And I don't know, like, watching that movie, I think we all came out of that and we're like, it was just like a short influence on us that was like, Mm -hmm. oh, let's, like, think about things in that way. And it's about, like, how you think when you're creating new music. Yeah, Uh, because, I mean, there's, like, some things that Dan will come up with now that I'm like... I really don't, that does not sound pleasing to my ears, but I actually really respect that, and that's actually cool, like, I like that, but I don't really like that, but I like the way that sounds in a way, like, that's good, like, let's do that, like. Yeah, yeah, like, we're trying to, like, I don't know, whenever we come up with something, it's in, like, 4-4 timing, trying to, like, break it out of that timing, or, like, change tempos up and down, or, like, just really try things that, like, push the limits even if they're like a pain they ask to actually do yeah so basically make songs that we can't play live <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah but that's you know those are all reaches right yeah. eventually one day you will or you can just you know be loud enough with enough distortion it'll be, yeah, no, one will know. Pro- no one will know well my thought is I think the joke I made before is like if we make them more complex like since we're kind of we're, we're getting kind of old like 
That way it'll keep us from drinking a lot and we'll be healthier in the long run. <laughs> we have to we have to be Don't sober. Me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Your body appreciates yeah. it. Your liver thanks you. Uh, I'd be remiss to ask, what are the upcoming shows? Hardest Twang Band in, in Brooklyn. Where are you playing this summer? Where are you playing next week? Outside of that. I feel like you would do an, like a record release show and then you'd play the next night. <laughs> that was the old Grim Sugar. Yeah. We're playing yeah. Jimmy Soprano's birthday. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, we're actually, June is like all out of town shows, which will be really fun. Uh, New Jersey, uh, the Meat Locker, which is like an epic DIY space, like CBGB-esque whole Sounds perfect. And then with Native Sun, with Native Sun, our and buddies, and Smock, our other buddies. Yep. And then uh, that's the seventh of June, eighth in New Haven for our good friend Jimmy Soprano's birthday. Yep. The and, big four zero. Yeah. And then uh, the twenty second of June in Boston with an awesome lineup that our drummer PL put together. Uh, Jim Shorts, Twin. Is that how you say it? Twin. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Great. Well, good to see all of you again, and that's the same five of you and not some awkward replacement. <laughs> Congratulations on the record coming out. Um, it will be out May 17th. No vision. Very excited. Thank you to James Beard for coming by, and uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes. What are you going to take us out with? Cat call. Cat call, of course. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.